everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are here with uh, pastor, worship leader, father, husband, and one of my closest friends on the planet, uh, Todd McVicker. Todd, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, so we, we've known each other for a few years now. Yeah. And um, I've, I've seen you operate in lots of different environments. I'll put it like that. Uh, Todd has been my worship pastor for probably just over 10 years. And now he's down uh, leading worship at our Midtown location. Um, But recently you've gone through just a lot of changes, a lot of changes, you know, from transitioning to Hamilton Middle Midtown, uh, transitions and changes in leadership, in roles and different things that you've gone through in the past couple of months. And I wanted you to speak to us about how you continue to be a leader through change. Could you talk to us about how to lead through uh, just massive change? (laughs) Yeah, man, I'd love to. Uh, Yeah, for for us, it's it's been quite a a process over the last six months. Kind of going back a little ways, um, when the idea of this Midtown campus, uh, came up, um, you know, I was approached pretty early on in the process to ask, um, if I would want to come in, uh, you know, establish the worship culture and league worship down there. And originally just said no, because I loved Hamilton Mill and wanted <laughs> to be there. And that's where all my community was. And we had, you know, really built something special up there. But I think the first thing is with that transition is really listening to what the voice of God is saying. So that's one of those instances where immediately I said, you know, absolutely not. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Uh, that's a lot of hard work building from the ground up. But as I, you know, I was asked by a wise man, well, would you at least pray about it? And honestly told him to his face, yes, I will pray about it. But the answer is no. Nice. Um, but, uh, so I, but I actually did pray about it, which I guess is, you know, you probably should do that. <laughs> um, and I really felt like God was kind of moving me heart wise to kind of align with the vision of, you know, reaching the city. Um, so I said, yes. Um, and thought that it would look a certain way. <laughs> it looked absolutely not like I thought it was going to, going to look. Go um, figure that, right? Yeah. I even went in with like, okay. You know, just just like you would as like a, going into a job interview, you think, okay, if someone is uh, really after me and they want they see me in this role, well, I have this, some negotiating power, so I'm going to go in and I'm gonna ask for this, this, and this, um, and was told no, 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 and uh, that was immediately a heart check on, okay, is this something that I'm trying to build or or am I really hearing God in it? And I felt like I was hearing God, so I said, okay, regardless of how it looks. I feel like God is calling me to this. Um, this is something that he has for me for the, you know, for foreseeable future. So I'm going to just go all in. So, you know, we stepped in and uh, leading up to the launch of the church, uh, the pastors that they put in place were uh, Kyle and Mallory Cruz to, to lead that campus. And uh, after the first week, it was made apparent that Kyle or Mallory weren't going to be able to lead in that capacity they were uh, initially asked to lead in because of the health struggles that, that Mallory was having at the time. So uh, after the very first weekend of Victory Midtown, um, I got pulled into an office um, with two of our, our executive uh, pastors, and they said, okay, we need you to lead the campus. 
<laughs> to which right. I said, uh, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm the worship guy, not the camps pastor guy. Um, and they said, no, we really feel like, you know, God put you down here for a reason. And we need somebody that we trust and that has you know, ministry experience and is for the campus and all, all these kind of things and asked me to, uh, to, to lead it. So, um, I said, well, if you guys think I can do it, then I guess I can do it. <laughs> wow. And so, uh, my wife and I jumped in and I mean, to, to the best of our ability, tried to get our head around what leading a campus looks like. Now I was around you and Johnson in those early years when decisions were made, but you know, it's different when you have to make the decision versus yeah. you give input on the decision. So that was kind of the, you know, the really challenging thing in the very beginning of that was um, listening again, going back to listening to the voice of the Lord and really trusting that um, you hear. And, you know, when you make a decision, you know, sticking with it and going, okay, this is what I feel like we're supposed to do. So this is what we're going to do. And if that wasn't <laughs> the right call to come back later and go, okay, that was a terrible idea. Um, so let's, let's course correct. But it was, it was definitely a challenge um, those first couple of weeks, just wrapping my head around what it meant to, you know, lead this this organization, um, uh, a brand new organization in Midtown. But uh, we uh, we started to get a, a pretty good rhythm um, over the last couple of months, and uh, got a lot of really good uh, support from um, Norcross and executive pastors and uh, just anyone that that I could ask for help on things helped a lot. So probably, you know, second to listening to what God's saying is really ask for help a ton. Hmm. So, you know, everything from, you know, we just had our first membership class. Well, I've never had to run a membership class. So I went to the guy that runs the membership class to say, Hey, how does that happen? And how do we do that? And how do we make that fit into this environment that we have to uh, launching small groups? We launched small groups a couple of months ago. I've never had to launch small groups. So going to the people that are, you know, really, really good at those key things and asking as many questions as you can and getting buy-in from, from those people to help you um, launch it in a way that makes sense for the, the environment that you're leading in. And that goes beyond, like, you know, leading campuses or, or, or big things to really small things like, like departments. You know, if, if you have an issue going on in your department that you, you need to make decisions on, well, ask someone that has gone through similar situations or has pioneered a different way of doing things to say, Hey, that was really, really good. How, how can I use that information and that skill to make it make sense in my area? And, yeah. Um, that, that was really, really helpful, um, for us. And then, um, you know, we, we did that for a couple of months. So we're campus pastors. I'm leading worship. My wife is campus pastor plus pretty much all the operations side uh, uh, Victory Midtown, and then, uh, and uh, I think it was around February, uh, they came to us and said, "Hey, um, you know, Kyle's not going to be coming back to to Midtown. He's going to uh, transition into some, uh, you know, a different area of the church. So, um, you guys are doing a great job, but we really feel like for the next season, we need someone and that is uh, a little bit older, has led organizations, and can really kick the ball down the field quite a ways, uh, and not have to ask for a lot of permission." So there was a guy on our on our team that had been there from the very beginning, part of Set Up and Tear Down, and um, is a huge leadership guru. Has been uh, involved in like John Maxwell 
organization and things like that. Um, so his name is Rob, and they asked him to, to come in and lead the, the campus. So in a very short period of time, in a six-month window, I went from uh, an established culture of leading worship at Hamilton Mill mm-hmm. to a brand-new startup worship pastor to campus pastor, now back to worship pastor, plus some other things. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it was uh, a, a really, really big swing from one to the other. And the other thing that I found out in, in this in this uh, time frame was um, when you become the leader over something, it's really, really easy uh, to think of yourself uh, bigger than you are. Mm. And what do I mean by that? Basically, you know, I'm the cam- I'm operating as campus pastor, so then I have to switch gears real quick when they go, "Hey, great job, but we need someone else to do it." And for me to be um, have the big picture enough and to be humble enough to go, you know what, that is the best move for the organization. And I, I'm not going to, you know, have my feelings hurt or feel like I was passed over or any of those kind of things that honestly come pretty naturally uh, to us as, as men specifically. Um, well, why can't I do it? Why, you know, why don't you ask me to do more or, or things like that? Mm-hmm. Just really being able to say, you know what, this is the best thing for the organization to move to move uh, forward and to build this campus so absolutely do what you got to do 100 percent and really helped um, kind of smooth that transition with our staff and also with with the church knowing that uh, my wife and i were 100 percent on board with the new direction that we we're going so it's definitely been a whirlwind over the last couple of months um, but i'm actually really really excited uh, of where we are but more specifically where we're going uh, at victory midtown i think it's gonna be really really cool so it's, I feel like I hear a theme in everything that you're saying. Like you said, you went from an established culture to the worship pastor at Midtown to now the campus pastor at Midtown to now worship pastor plus and just all these changes. You were part of the team. Then you were in charge of the team. And now you're a part of the team again, but with more responsibilities. Just change, change, change coming at you. It seems like everything you just said about how to lead through change had to do with other people, how you how you viewed others, how you viewed your place on the team of others. It, it, it really seemed like you tried to put the focus on everybody else, even not seeing yourself higher than you are is really about putting others first. Uh-huh. It seems like you, you really spent a lot of time making sure you cared about other people. Do you think that is a part of managing through change well? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, this is something that kind of, uh, in, in a worship culture, especially at Victory, that I had to learn very early on because um, things change so much in, in music and worship culture that if you're not constantly um, trying to find someone to pour into and to give away your platform, is what we call it in, in the worship culture, um, to find you know people that are younger, that are better, that are uh, up and coming, and go okay. Here's the knowledge and the skill that I have. Let me give as much of that away as I can, and honestly give that person more of a platform than me. So so I can step back a little bit and let people see them. I think that I learned that pretty early on in that in that kind of environment, and that really helped going through the different transitions because you just realize like. It doesn't have to be you. You don't always have to have the best idea. Mm. You don't always have to know what to do. There were so many times 
um, in our staff meetings where there would be a, a potential issue. And I would just look at, I mean, we have a very small staff. I would just look at them and go, guys, I have no idea what the answer is. Wow. What, what do you think? <laughs> you know, for the never, leader to be willing, I, I don't know. Yeah. For the leader to be willing to make that statement is rare and huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you, you've been around Johnson long enough to know that he, he does the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it is, man, it is, it's so refreshing, you know, being on the other side of that to, um, to be under a leader that is willing to be that vulnerable and go, I just, I don't know, whatever you guys think, I'm going to just, I'm going to get behind that. And I love this is being okay with making the mistake, you know? So we, we decide we're going to do this or not do this. And if it doesn't end up well, then go, okay, well, that was kind of dumb. Let's try something different next time. Right. And not being so like high pressured that it has to be 100% right 100% of the time. It's just unrealistic. That's good. Well, Todd, thank you for, for speaking with us, man. It's You've been through um, the whirlwind, and we would be a fool not to just kind of pick some of the the gold that's been refined in you. So thank you for spending time and talking with us for everyone. Next week, we've got a special guest that's going to be joining us on the call. His name is Jeff Goins. He is an author of five books, including a national bestseller. He's a keynote speaker, prolific blogger, and I couldn't think of a single person with a better perspective to speak to us on the link between creativity and success. And he's going to be joining us on the call next week. Um, Here's a little snippet of what that call is going to be like. Literally the best time to be a creative person. And I want us to recognize that, not just, oh, I want to be more creative, uh, you know, as sort of an add-on something ancillary to everything else that I do. If you want to do creative work for a living, if you want to be an artist, uh, this idea that you're going to starve, that's just not true. So join us next week. It's going to be a fantastic conversation. If you subscribe to the podcast, it'll automatically be downloaded. Um, If not, join us next week. It's going to be a great call. And so hopefully something uh, we said today uh, helps you as you are leading his leaders. Oh, 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 oh